Last year, articles started emerging about the video gaming industry, how these 30 and 40-somethings landed their dream jobs making video games. Except those jobs ended up being hellscapes of overtime, stress drinking, anxiety, and human resources nightmares. So we started looking into dream jobs across the spectrum. Writers, artists, designers, creatives, Disney workers. After all, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life, right? Then Joe started talking to his girlfriend who got to work at her dream job as a cast member at Disney World. So you had an image in your head about what this was going to be like. Uh, so my image was I was going to be going to the parks every day that I had off. Um, I was going to be making tons of friends. Um, I would be friends with all the people that were friends with all of the characters or all of this. Like it, it seemed like it was just going to be months upon months actually I planned on staying there for a full year and I did not make it a full year but I months and months of just a dream of hazy just happiness and dopamine and everything that you could think of while you're at Disney but just every day see and I think that's realistic I would think that, that I was going to be in this family I was going to see other people I was going to build friendships with people who were like-minded who love the same movies and it was going to be great what was the cold reality of it uh, the cold reality, uh, it even set in two weeks into my program. My roommates were all people who just liked drama. Uh, my, where I worked was nowhere near a park. I worked at a resort. Um, and then just everybody was catty. Like there was so much drama between everything the people who would work there forever knew that you would be gone soon, so it didn't really matter if they got to know you or anything. Um, so all they of you, acted like they were better than you because they had been there so long, and you're just a new... Oh, yeah. You're just going to be here for a couple of weeks, couple of months. It doesn't matter if you actually know your job. Just not really standing there to do something, but just they didn't expect much of you. Did they treat you like you're lucky to work here? There's a twenty. There's literally twenty thousand people that could replace you right now. Oh yeah, there there were a couple people who did, but also the people who had worked there for so long, they weren't the ones that were like you're lucky to be here. No, it was actually the the newer people, the the ones who just became coordinators, the one who were in the Disney College program and then were bumped up. Like they know uh, you are lucky. We're better than you. Exactly. I had I had I think there were one or two coordinators that were like, no, you are lucky to be here and I can treat you the way that I want to. Now with twenty thousand applicants for these jobs, it must pay Great. I mean, I know how much it costs to go to Disneyland. I've taken my family there. Oh, yeah. And it costs $5,000. Yeah. So they must pay the employees a lot. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, when I went there, which was in 2018, I made ten fifty an hour, which was not very much over minimum wage for Florida. And they paid all 4000 of us about that.
and you were pretty lucky if you got the extra 50 cents if you worked at Bippity Boppity Boutique. Basically, if you worked at Magic Kingdom, you got 50 cents extra. You said at the beginning that it was mostly other college-age kids doing this. Yes. Did you ever get a sense that this was their dream, too? Oh, God, every single one of them. Would you guys have worked for free? Some of them, yeah. Okay. (laughs) There were some things that Disney would give us. If we got free housing, which we didn't, we paid for our housing, which is a whole nother thing. You guys paid for your own housing? Yeah. You're listening to The Reengineered You. This is a podcast about self-empowerment and all the myths, lies, and misconceptions we tell ourselves. Then, we have science and history to bust those myths and re-engineer a better you. I'm your host, Todd Laments, the extrovert. And I'm the writer, researcher, and introvert, Joe Anthony, whose job it is to dig through the outer layer of no dawn on the internet. Do something you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. That quote has been attributed to Mark Twain, Confucius, and Mark Anthony. None of them worked in a gig economy. According to Indeed, the average salary for video game designer is 22000 per year. About the same as a restaurant server in any busy urban area. The average salary for actors is the same, about 22000 a year. The same as a musician. Artists and dog walkers make a little more, closer to 36000 per year. And writers, they make about 36 k as well. Sorry, Joe. So our myths today are all about our dream jobs. Starting with myth one. How easy is it to land your dream job? Actually, shockingly easy. Lots of companies will put you behind a desk to live your fantasy. But there's a catch. Myth two. So let's say you follow Confucius wisdom. You've picked living your dream over making money. Are you more mentally healthy because of it? Myth three. Most dream companies know they're a desirable place to work at. They'll make you outlast, outwork all the other grunts to prove you can join the inner circle. So is it worth it in the long run? Going there, I always thought that like, I'm going to stay here forever and I'm going to find the love of my life and we're going to be Disney nerds and we're going to just love this forever. And that did not happen. Um, the, the reason why I kind of lost some of my love for working at Disney was because of how hard I worked for such little emotional pay. I, I enjoyed my time there and I would do it over again if I had to, but I do not plan on ever working for Disney again, not because it's not a good company. When you're a full-time person, they treat you like family, but they don't have that many of those. So everybody has an idea of what their dream job is when they're a kid. What was your dream job? I'm going to give you what my dream job was as a young man. 
Um, I heard a story from a friend, and he'd worked on a cruise ship. And he had told me about how much fun it was, how they would travel, and how they would date the dancers from their the shows and the servers and they just had this and as a young 20 something I thought what a great life I get to um, sail around the world I guess yacht around the world drink booze <laughs> I'm like this is great go on a cruise all the time be around attractive people yeah that'd be amazing it's kind of like Baywatch but cooler I guess <laughs> right you ever uh, you ever work on a cruise it. line? I never did it. Okay. And I'm, I'm probably going to always regret that. And as a married, happily married man, I think if I went away for six months on a cruise ship, I'd come home, there'd be a new husband here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, now I'm what about absolutely... You? Well, I want to be an artist. Oh, by the way, you just destroyed all of our myths today. Um, the cruise ship annual salary is approximately 48,000 a year. Um, so that is our highest salary yet for dream jobs. And that one is you don't have bills because you're on a boat. Right. I don't know if that's figured in, but <laughs> well, your, your bill is when you're parked in a dock and everyone's got COVID or the toilets stop working or, <laughs> um, you know, my, my dream job used to be, uh, like a comic artist. I went to school for graphic design. Before that, I was, uh, you know, I did a lot of life art. Um, so my, my background was in art because my dream job was drawing. And then I found out how grueling and difficult the job of a penciler is, the, the artists. You now, think of that of working at Disney and getting to see your movies and it's great, right? Yeah, you, you'd think that'd be amazing. Think about being like a, a cartoonist. That's got to be awesome. Like you're you're drawing the characters you love, but I think after you know thousands of the exact same character drawing with little tiny movements in the arms. So, what would you define as a, a dream job? Let's start with that. Um, you know, you always get those those people, men and women, to grow up with who are destined to be firefighters. You know, that's what their parents did. They just think it's the most important thing. I, I think it's what you get your value in, wh- how you see yourself. And, you know, if you identify as a police officer or a coach or a teacher, I think teachers are that way too, right? You're just, you're kind of, certain people are born to do certain things. The rest of us just try to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was jealous of those people with that compass that's that they could follow. Especially if it sounds like something practical. When somebody tells yeah. me I was born to do this thing and it's something, you know, that makes money and is, does anyone ever say I was born to be a dentist? <laughs> right. But, but, and they're so proud of what they do, you know, whether they're a garbage man or, or a dentist or whatever, you know, they're born to be a nurse. They think this is the best thing helping people and they would never do anything else. I know that whenever I applied, I was like, okay, what am I okay with doing as a job? And at some point in time, I was just like, you know what? I don't care as long as I'm working for Disney. I put four different jobs and I was one of the first to get accepted, which still at the time, still now 
is mind blowing because of how many people apply. I was one of the first groups to get accepted for the 2018 term. So you're saying, like, let's say there's 4,000 job openings. How many people would apply for those 4,000 job openings? I I want to say about like 20,000. Holy shit, like a big city. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous because it's college students and of course what college students think is oh it's going to be working for Disney it's just going to be a vacation of course it's not cleaning toilets picking up garbage uh-huh. this redheaded kid puked and you gotta go throw throw the sawdust exactly off. or even worse you have to basically summer camp with kids but it, the kids would always change and they would call it like kids activities so I imagine the people you're interviewing with are just Disney crazy, just brainwashed, drank all the Kool-Aid, <laughs> right? Are they just, they sleep in Disney sheets and oh, yeah. pajamas, even though they're 40? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, God, yes. So the HR people that I would see, um, we actually got to go into the HR department that are specifically for college programs because we had to do like all of the onboarding stuff. So we did that at a Disney's HR building basically and everyone's desks or everyone's cubicle was filled to the brim with their favorite Disney things so you know everyone has drank the Kool-Aid they have they have dove really deep into this because it is such a dream job and even HR there is absolutely insane and that used to be my dream job and there's no way in hell that I would do that now I heard there's some there's like a thousand HR professionals work. There. Oh yeah, but to keep that thing, especially when it's seasonal work and you're stocking young people, you just I mean, it sounds like a cattle run if you're hiring four thousand oh, people at a time. Yeah. So I I want to run some statistics by you for this show. By the way, like I want to I want to shock you into you know uh, giving up your dream, which is a weird thing to want to do. Um. Now, I think you're trying to do it to save me some pain and suffering. I think so. Thank you for saying that. Um, it gives me more credit than is due, and also it it makes this episode sound a lot less harsh. Um, because there is a way to work your dream job in a practical way, in a way that is sustainable and makes money and doesn't crush your soul. And the way to do that, it seems, is to look ahead, look forward, and look at the businesses you're getting into. Because whatever you think your dream job is, what the practical, um, there are so many companies ready to take your dream and turn it into a chain around your ankle attached to a desk and a very, very small paycheck. Um, Now, millennials seem extremely vulnerable to this. The idea that, you know, you would go to work your dream job, I would go out and try to be an artist, and then I would end up chained to a drafting table with a pencil in my hand. Uh, Or, you know, we would go out to become, um, you know, programmers for a popular video game, and we end up in a very hot, you know, room with 80 desks with computers all chugging on, you know, very bland, boring code. I see that too when I see these new these cultures these they try they try to imitate google and say oh look we have bean bags and foosball <laughs> tables open offices yeah these people have work to do joe they don't have time to play foosball man 
right. they don't tell you that. They say, oh, we have beers on Friday. Yeah, but you're like two weeks behind at work. You have a, you're blind in one eye from the stress. Right. Let me go lay around in a beanbag. Right. Everyone's got a Nerf gun above their cubicle, but guess what? They don't have medical coverage. <laughs> so the reason I, I pick on millennials, millennials are 22% of the population. They are currently the largest pie uh, in that graph of the population. Like it's millennials and then boomers are like 20% or 21 and then everything kind of gets smaller from the population groups from there. But they uniquely hold 5% of the wealth. So the largest group has only 5% of the wealth. They're doing all the work. Um, they are, kind of. They're, they're in the prime of their work years. Millennials are currently 20-something to you know early 40s. So they are actually sort of like the main labor force right now. And they have a tiny piece of the wealth, which means if you tell a millennial, uh, I've got your dream job sitting here, come do it, they will jump at it. Like they, they're more susceptible to that game. Um, uh, boomers statistically have ignored the siren call of dream job and fulfillment. Uh, and we will talk about that in a little bit, but it, I just found it very interesting that um, as a generation, millennials follow the, the Confucius advice. So originally my first degree that I went to college for was ranch management. I realized that I was going to have to look at a cow and then the next week it would be dead on a spike and I'd have to figure out how much it weighed by sight. And I said no. So what I then went into was, okay, well, what is something that makes me happy? And my first thought, of course, is Disney. And then if I went and worked at Disney, they're all about hospitality. So I could work there and basically fit into anywhere. Okay. So like it's a less of a long shot than if you had gone into something creative. Like if you're an <laughs> illustrator, you may never touch Disney yeah. soil. If and you're a writer like like me, I will never write something that Disney would accept unless I Yeah, you so you have so, to have an in basically. Right. So hospitality means you could find a, a keyhole somewhere yeah, at Disney. Where I would fit in almost perfectly. And I thought that. I want to talk about this um, workplace happiness report that came out uh, in 2019. Um, we're going to link off to this. It's um, by Udemy.com. And it's uh, a research paper where they polled a thousand full-time workers and 37% rated good work-life balance as being the most important in their life um, as far as like keeping things going. So... You know, less Should than that be half. 100%? I know I'm older now, but I guess when you're younger, you want to make the big bucks. You want the Range Rovers and the helicopters, right? Yeah. You kind of pride yourself, I think, at a certain time of life at I'm going to grind and get rich. I think you're right. I, I'm not looking at the statistics for that exact thing. How How many of that percent... You know, how, how many percent of the 37 percent who rated good work-life balance as being the most important? I'm betting it was older people who answered that, like people who had put in some time. Um, to, to that point, millennials, oh my God, 
84% of millennials said they are already in their dream job. Are they delusional or are they? <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. Okay. <laughs> they don't know what they don't know. It's like, well, I feel How like could they be? <laughs> yelling at them. Are you working your dream? Are you sure? Think real hard about that. Um, they, they cannot, with how many miserable poor millennials there are out there that's that's it it was we said earlier you know millennials hold five percent of the total wealth yet 84 percent of them think they are already in their dream job so maybe they just mean they've got their foot on the ladder at the bottom of their dream job they are very bottom yeah yeah that's concerning that's concerning that um hopefully they have hope that things are going to get better and i think when you're young you're naive enough to think if i work really hard and i I'm going to get ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean. It's very, very foolish. Hard work will give you nowhere in this world. When those articles started coming out about video game businesses that were burning through their workforce doing what's called crunch. It's crunch time because they have a triple A game about to come out. And they, they burn out their programmers like they are just, you know, like kindling that's got to be the millennials who who think they're already in their dream job. The 84% who say they're already in their dream, it must be the ones getting burnt out at these, you know, crazy companies. Well, it's funny because years ago, I, I this young man I lived up in Seattle and he's 19 years old and he had two options. One was to go to the Marine Corps and um, go over to war. He'd go, to go over to Iraq and, or go work at Microsoft. And he told me that the Army has a better future than Microsoft doing being a video game player. And I thought he'd <laughs> lost his fucking mind. I'm like, are you crazy? I tried to talk him out of it. And now, years later, he was right. Yeah. <laughs> he would have been burned out quicker working at Microsoft playing video games than he would in the Marine Corps in a combat situation. It is so crazy you say that, but um, I, uh, I'm good friends with a guy who was in the army and he went from the army to working at Intel and he worked as one of their um, outside contractors for years before they finally let him have a full-time job. And if you are an outside contractor, you don't have benefits. You barely make money. You know, you eventually can work your way into a real job, but that's what it feels like. These millennials are getting suckered into. And the regular employees at Intel make you do all the work. Because you're a contractor, they remind you that every day, and they don't let you use the bathroom or the lunchroom. Right. Oh, you you think? I mean, that's not a joke. They carry different color lanyards, so like they have a almost like a classist hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you're a leper. You're yeah. only a contractor. Oh, you're you're you have the green lanyard. The blue ones are allowed in this cafeteria, and the blue ones can use the workout room, and they you guys can go use the water fountain outside. Shoo. Right. So. Only 54% of baby boomers say they're in their dream job. I assume all the other ones are working in something practical like real estate. Yeah, I think that. That's about right. But there's a whole bunch of them. You know, so, well, I should have I should have worked for the city or I should have got a different kind of job. I should when you get older, you start, you start to look back and say, if I would have. Right. I do want to note that this is <laughs> this podcast is not the millennial show. It's just that... Um, a lot of data sets and businesses fixate on the millennials as a generation. Yeah, they're interested. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's because they are such a large part of the population and they are going through such an enormous economic uh, slump. So they get singled out as data very often. 
Yeah, every comic, every public speaker, they would run out of material if they didn't have. <laughs> if they couldn't beat up on millennials. Yeah, it'd be like the pastors without the Bible. What are they going to talk about? Right. So, like, hypothetically, if you picked your, um, let's say, updated dream job, uh, you pick something that pays really well, um, gives you the benefits you would need to live, and let you do, like, like say it taught you a skill at any level that you wanted. So, like, you, if you pick, you know, professional speaker, you will be tutored by literal millionaire speakers who have figured out, you know, the math equation to do it. Would you live in a barracks? And make would you be willing to pay for basically barrack style living to do that job and like do it for free basically? Oh, this is like the the deal the, the deal with the devil, right? Yeah, you get to do what you want, but you have to pay. I would do it. Okay, I would say you know what, life is short, and very few people get to really live their dream. I think of that fifty four percent adults who think they're living, that's even more concerning than the millennials who are thinking that. Right. They're they're old enough to know better that there's more opportunities. I think we always have a thing of, if I would have gotten that degree, taken that class, gotten that certification, where would my life be now? Okay. What about you? Your dream job, would you, would you trade it for Spartan life? I think you already have, actually. I, I kind of already have. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked graveyard and, and, you know, uh, worked a very modest life so that I can, I can learn to do, you know, to, to write better, to do the thing I love, do, you know, do it better. Um, but that's, I'm not really a good example of that because nobody has guaranteed money or anything or, or success. I'm not, you know, necessarily learning from my idols, but that's what a good dream job does is it promises you, you're going to learn from the best. And and you will walk away with the skills to become at the top of this, you know, league. Um, New York Times just had a great article about, you know, the video game layoffs, how they are there. You know, they will go through these big, massive, you know, cuts where they will finish a game or or even worse, a game company will go bust and they will just mass get rid of their workforce um, even successful games. I remember watching a, um, uh, it was a, um, oh God, it was a World of Warcraft programmer. And he was doing this sort of like almost career suicide video where he's playing World of Warcraft, talking about World of Warcraft, and how it used to be that when you programmed for them and worked on the games, you did it with the team that made the game. Like you did it with the, the, the original core team. And he was complaining about these companies and how nobody who started the game and loved the game and wrote it because they wanted to be in that world, none of them are in the business anymore. They're not even not just working on that game. They're out of the business. And you would think it would be like a a, a musician winning an award that, that would set their career into another orbit. That's exactly what I'm saying. Most of these careers where you get your dream job you would expect once you've done it, once you've reached that tier and you've lived that barracks lifestyle and you've learned from the best, you would expect that, you know, you now have the experience and like a pro athlete who has made a real big name for themselves, you'd think they'd be able to step down and coach or open their own business or get a job elsewhere. For five times as much. 
Right. Instead, they're scarred by their treatment and they feel used and abused. Right. They're they, burned through. Yeah. They, they, they lost their job, lost a bunch of relationships over work stress, and now they're just, I'm never to work for that company again. Right. Like this, um, the New York Times article says they're talking about unionizing. Like that's a new idea. Like they've never heard of that before. <laughs> um, have you ever seen the show Succession? No. Okay. <laughs> so, um, one of our myths, we wanted to ask the question, uh, is it more healthy for you mentally to work your dream job and have lived that dream, even if it costs a lot, if it personally costs you, you know, it, it doesn't bring you money. It brings you the experience, but you're not at the top of the career pyramid yet. Um, is it better to have gotten your dream job for your own mental health to have done that? Or is it better for your mental health to have gone into something safe and get the money? <laughs> uh, I think it's nice to have that permanent romanticized. Like I still think about, I'm thinking about today and talking about this. I'm dreaming of myself on that cruise ship <laughs> and I'm truly <laughs> happy and I know I would never be that happy. So if I went there to that place, it would destroy that dream in my head forever. You could just go on a cruise and watch how unhappy the, the people running it are. <laughs> They're 18 hour days. They're like, dude, what? yeah, you're on the right side of this bar. Uh, yeah, the, just just talk to a yeah one of the the cabin boys, and they're like, I haven't slept in days, and I hate like I can't even think about dancing with a, a model or a dancer right now. But you know what I'm saying? You have that vision, like it would be something special, and it isn't all bad. I mean, I think a lot of these guys too. Yeah, they did get stressed out in this, but they did play video games for a few years of their lives. How many people can say that? How many people can That's say true. that they worked on and traveled the world and saw all these seas and oceans and beautiful things? I I talk about this as if I'm exempt from this question, but I um, last month put in an application to be an intern at a high like a, a podcast that I very highly respect, and it would be, you know working for very little just so I could learn it better. So, um, yeah, I, I am not exempt from this. And they beat the shit out of you. They just <laughs> yeah. abuse you and treat you like the cockroach that you are. <laughs> right. They're like, edit these, this giant pile of work, and then, you know, don't yeah. talk to us. Just send the work back to us. You actually don't learn anything. You actually know less than, <laughs> <laughs> than you did before. I'm just tired at the end. Um, no, but you always see those old ones. They, you know, Napoleon Hill wrote this famous book, Think and Grow Rich. Great self-help book. But his big thing is I went to work for the richest man in the world, Carnegie, and he didn't pay me. So I had to tell my wife, I'm working for the richest man in the world for free, but I learned all his secrets. Then you learn their secrets and you go on to have wealth way beyond your dreams. That's hopefully what we all do. Like, if you accept a dream job... What are the chances you get to actually sit in the same room as Carnegie and hear him talk about his secrets versus you're, you're stuck at a desk crunching numbers? Um, I just want to point out, um, we found an article answering the question, you know, is it better to do your dream job or, you know, take the money uh, by doing somebody else's work? Uh, it, which one is mentally more healthy? Really what we're asking is, um, 
is it more healthy to have secured money doing a job you actually don't like that much or is it more mentally healthy to risk being poorer because that's effectively what these dream jobs look like they all look like lower salary by far um yeah and then i'm thinking about the factory worker and i know some people love that work but how could you joe doing the same thing over and over like a robot right with none of your own troubleshooting or you know (laughs) i mean how much can you care about that product that right if you even if you love ford you know you 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 might be like i am the ford mustang fan you know i was born in one the, you know, I was conceived in the backseat of a Ford Mustang. <laughs> you work in a Ford Mustang factory long enough, you will hate the part you are bolting onto that car. Yeah. It's just mindless. Well, if you work your dream job and you don't make enough money, I am very sorry to say that according to, we have a science.org article that came from the Department of Massachusetts and Harvard, um, and it basically has a graph if you if you Todd don't mind scrolling down to this graph, it is called the you know um, it, it basically shows the prevalence of depression based on income. Um, and I hate to make so many episodes about income level, but Both I'm gonna, people are the most miserable. Basically, <laughs> so the reason I asked about if you'd seen Succession, there's a lot of shows that kind of um, White Lotus did this too. Uh, there are a lot of TV shows that try to convince us that super wealthy people are just as miserable as everybody. They have just as much um, depression and anxiety, but it's not true. (laughs) I'm sorry to say um, money actually does solve some level of depression and anxiety. Um, I think you and I already knew that. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) You can arrive to your problems in style. Tony Robbins quote. Right. You can pull up in a limo and your depression can only be so high if you know what you're eating and where you're sleeping tonight. But when you're broke and you're you're trying to scrape to what you're going to eat that week and if you're going to make the rent to the mortgage. If we didn't have to pay for housing, if they got different meals, if we had like everything paid for, a lot of us would have done it for free. You guys paid for your own housing? Yeah. From the last time that I heard, it was given to Disney by Coke. They built the projects. They built all of the buildings. It was all owned by Coke. And I think, you'll have to look into this, but I think it was supposed to be free housing for the college program, and Disney still had us pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, we're outraged now. Oh, no, and that was like something that all of us were angry about. Now, I went into the Army, and this sounds very familiar. You said two things, so let's... They make you pay for a place that they have, like, dorms for you. Yeah. Okay, so it's like apartments, or it's like you're all in cots, or what? Uh, So, my first place that I went, and some of the, like, they're all pretty much the same on how many people you can have in one apartment. It ranges from two to eight Okay. Everybody shares a room. Everybody. So how much do you pay roughly? I know it depends. Uh, I remember it was at least a thousand every two weeks. Are you kidding me? It was either a thousand two weeks or it was five hundred. For ten dollars an hour, that's tough. Oh, 
Oh yeah, we didn't. We had these like we had minuscule amounts for food, for any entertainment, for like going any places. We had nothing. You had to pay for food too. Oh God, yes. So they have a cafeteria. They, I'm trying to remember if they provided us food. I don't think they provided us food at all. Um, of course, like they had a cafeteria area and it had vending machines, but that was about it. This is sounding a lot more cultish when you talk about you have to go to a college, I think a burger college, and then you got to go live in these dorms. And then you have all these happy people telling you what to do and how lucky you are to work there. They're paying you less than a living wage. You have to pay for your food there. It's almost like most of these people, I'm guessing just from my adulthood, is they're getting support financially from somebody at home to live their dream of living at Disneyland, Disney World. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With me, and I'm going to out myself, I was one of those that had support from home, but it was only to pay for insurance. I remember my best friend who I met at the college program, she was like, I have debt because of this. I remember uh, some of my roommates, they were like, well, my boyfriend's back home and he's paying all the bills, all of them by himself. And so they would have fights about, well, why can't you send money? And it was, they were just like, I have none. There's nothing I can do. I also remember that there were times when my best friend would get texts from their parents and be like, hey, do you, do you need any help right now? Because they knew she was struggling. And yeah, it was it was really tough for a lot of us because we were all just kind of cooped up and we couldn't do anything. A lot of us wanted to do Universal and like get season passes for Universal and then go there on our off days when we didn't go to Disney. And we couldn't because we didn't have the money for it. When you're talking about your friend in your voice, you were saying that she was embarrassed that things didn't turn out like it was promised or like it was it was sold. Yeah, exactly. We all drank the Kool-Aid. We all thought, okay, we'll, we'll just keep working. And a lot of us knew, like, yeah, no, we still have, what's it, like 20 hours left of college credits that we still need to do, but it's okay. We'll just put it off and we'll do it whenever we get back, if we get back. And a lot of us just thought, we won't have to do that. We'll just stay here for the rest of our lives. Were you being basically um, millennial taxed to work your dream and what was the end goal like what was the the last position you hoped to end up in so I wouldn't say that I was like work to the bone they definitely worked us to as hard as we could and got as much as like as much as we could get done but also they told us it doesn't matter if you can get your job done it more matters that the guests are happy so it wasn't physically taxing it was emotionally taxing whenever we would get off like off work we would all just be emotionally dead i'll quote the the article itself so people don't think i am just you know bashing on these preconceived notions um, contrary to widely held preconceptions, anxiety and depression are not diseases of affluence. Uh, within a given location, 
those with the lowest incomes are typically 1.5 to 3 times more likely than the rich to experience depression or anxiety. Three times? Up to three times as likely, and that is from the lowest income tier. So if you are in the lowest uh, bracket, meaning you are well below the poverty line, you're three times more likely to be depressed or anxious. So this graph is a straight line. <laughs> it, it, it almost looks like it, it looks like a linear graph. It's just, you know, the lowest level of income has the highest amount of depression, and anxiety, the highest amount of income. And it has four bars going second, third, fourth highest in income level. The highest level of income has the lowest amount of anxiety and depression. I am sorry to say. I can just hear somebody, some annoying person somewhere saying, I don't need to make a lot of money. I just need to be comfortable. Yeah. I don't need to make a lot of money. I just need to work my dream job. Um, So if you've ever wondered, is it worth being poor if you work your dream job? It's a personal decision. But here are the facts. You're more likely to suffer anxiety. You're more likely to suffer depression. And pretty much other emotional disturbances that come with not making enough money to cover your basic needs. Um, the happiness index, or no, sorry, the, the happiness plateau is currently sitting at 75000 a year. That means about 57% of Americans don't qualify with their current jobs to reach the, quote, happiness plateau. Um, so if you compare those two very closely, do you want a job of fulfillment or mental health and stability? If you can get both absolutely do it that is not a question if you set aside the time in your life to work your dream job do it but don't do it expecting to hit that happiness quotient and to have the best mental health while you're making all those sacrifices you think there's opportunity if you're willing to go down there and just if you really love what you're doing you're really bought into the system is it easier to to excel in that pool i think so i think if you if you take the time to plan ahead, you put up that gamble, you, you decide, I'm willing to lose a couple years of my life to do this job, to at least learn the skills or to have lived my dream. I think that is a worthwhile gamble. But you're also speaking to a millennial, and I am the target demographic to get into sucker <laughs> to do a dream job. That's how they get you. That's the that is exactly how they get you. <laughs> You walked into your own trap, right? <laughs> I did. I, I know the national statistics. I just quoted them, and I walked into that trap. So, Rachel's story, she talks about how much they weren't being paid as... Uh, and this, I, I want to point out, her story was not a long time ago. I don't know if you caught that, but it was 2018. So, they were paying... We're here in like the Portland Metro. Minimum wage is higher than what she quoted. She talked about $10 an hour. We balked at that. Um, That's less than you would get for minimum wage at a gas station here. Um, Disney, I know before I say this, I don't think Disney is hurting for money. Oh, no. (laughs) In the... If you look at it from the perspective of COVID, they made $9 billion in profits last year. They received a $1.5 billion tax break from Trump uh, because of the, the, you know, the taxation going lower for, for you know, rich people, the breaks that they put in. Um, 
And recently, they reached a four-year compensation agreement with its CEO, Bob Iger, for about $423 million. And yet, they are currently sort of in a battle with their Disneyland resort workers um, to sort of settle up whether or not they can afford to pay them a living wage. Um, now, this is the shocking part to me. Uh, between 2017 and now, so like 2017 to 2022, how much do you think their pay changed? From what I know from shitty paying jobs, 75 cents an hour. Okay. What so I'm guessing. Guessing. They're... they're so not not the volunteers and interns, but the actual resort workers who were full timers, they're making fifteen eighty an hour, and this is in like populated areas. This is this is in Orlando. Yeah, this is not Puerto Rico, nineteen seventy. This is right. areas where things still cost much. Oh well, cost of living is cheap in Florida. It's not that cheap. Okay, it didn't go up. It went down. What? <laughs> so um, even with all this pressure, they said, you know what? <laughs> you bastards, we're going to pay you less. <laughs> exactly. Like, like they did not just not keep up with um, <laughs> with inflation. They lowered their rates. So it went from 1580 in 2000 to 2017. It went down to 1336. So over the course of, you know, 15, 17 years, it dropped 15%. Um. I can see why you could get droves of people that want to work at Disney World, Disneyland, than you can at a warehouse in Amazon. That I get. Right. So they just have that tidal pool of employees who haven't. But you think at some point that big, they would just say, hey, let's let's all quit and get a $10 an hour raise. It's funny you say that, but they have been in battles for unions over the past couple of years. They have been having trouble keeping their um, uh, the the Disney College open, especially during COVID. They they had to scale that back because they weren't compensating people. According to this article, over eighty percent of Disneyland workers right now make less than twelve dollars an hour, and that is in an era. Th- this is during the post-COVID era when we're in the big quit. Everybody's walking out of their jobs right now. And Disney's like, no, it's okay. We'll show you how this is done. And they paid everybody less. <laughs> they must have some like mole insiders that make sure there's no like negative clusters at places. They must. It's all it's all positivity spin. Like we heard from Rachel, it is they are pre-selecting people who have drank the Kool Aid, and it's like you talk about the best example of telling somebody you'll work for free if you work your dream job this is it this is the absolute golden example of we have your dream job over here come and get it so the lesson here this is cult like you really need to be very aware very eye wide open and very willing to to put your foot down and say i'm worth more than this my time every hour is worth more than this yeah to that point people have started reporting um, what they made at Disneyland. They've started putting their foot down. Um, Disney is currently in negotiation with unions for the position Rachel was talking about. So right this moment, it's finally shifting. I still, I it blows my mind that they started paying people less leading into this year. Like, like over the past 20 years, that they would slowly eke the pay down. That is crazy. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, 
I just want to read this last little bit from from this article. They said, incredibly, more than one out of ten Disney and resort employees have been homeless <laughs> or not had a place of their own to sleep in the last two years. More than two-thirds of Disneyland resort workers are food insecure. Only 28% of Disneyland employees report having the same schedule every week. So, And that's it, corporate greed. I mean, let's face it. Between their movies and their parks, the absorbent fees they pay to get into the park. Yeah. yeah to have people have to sleep on the streets and then shower at a gym to come into work with this huge smile on their face. Exactly. I've We said already this is a $150 billion corporation. They made $9 billion in profits last year. Their CEO, you know, got an estimate of $423 million. They're not. The, the mouse, the, the Disney, who now owns all entertainment from, you know, Star Wars to Marvel to everything, they're not hurting for money. This is pure and simple, you know, corporations not wanting to pay people to do their dream. Are there any dream jobs now that you would work for cheap or free in the future that you're just like, it's too good of a job? No. I I think that's actually what hit me hardest coming home whenever I finally did come home is that I realized like what my dream job was. It doesn't matter how much you pay me. I'm not going to want to do it because of how taxing it ended up becoming. So realizing that I actually had about a year, year and a half where I was like, I don't know if I want to continue this degree, which is hospitality, which I thought would be the perfect way to get into Disney. I didn't know if I wanted to continue it. And that was, oh God, it was about six years of college that I was like, that's six years down the drain. Here I am about to graduate with that degree. But it was, yeah, it, it was a shock to realize that I really just did not want to work there. If I had to tell younger me any advice on going, I would say go, but don't expect anything from anybody else. You have to make it yourself. You've been listening to The Reengineered You. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You mean the world to us. We have a new episode every week. You can connect with us at www.re-engineeredu.com. That's where we have research links, show notes, feedback, and blog articles for each of our episodes. We're not experts in anything, but we've got an opinion on everything.